You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Father, we pause right now just to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending your Son for us. Lord, I did not deserve the grace of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I did nothing to deserve it. I was your enemy. I was separated from you, but you, in your goodness, sent my Savior to save me from my sin. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, and we say this morning that all glory is due to you, Lord. Not to us, Lord. Not to us, but to you. And Lord, we pray right now from our hearts this morning that you would set our eyes on you, Lord, that our eyes would get off of ourselves, Lord, and that we would be focused on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? Would you flood this place right now, Lord, with your love and with your grace so that every eye would be turned to see Jesus Christ, to see him high and exalted above all. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here rejoicing and exalting, beholding our King, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that our lives would be radically changed by his glory. Lord, only you can do that. We invite you to come and do it now in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Go ahead and grab a seat this morning. It's a joy to be able to open God's word to you this morning, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 this morning, and we're going to be looking at the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Um, If you don't have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to put your hand up. We've got some ushers that are going to be coming down the aisles right now with Bibles. If you just keep your hand up, they would be glad to get you a copy of God's word, put it in your hand. And listen, if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, count this as an early Easter present from us to you. Feel free to take it and have it in your home. Read it often. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. We're going to look at the first 11 verses, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. And before we jump into it, I just want to take a second to set this message up for us a little bit this morning so we understand uh, where it's coming from. The message today is called Behold Your King. That's really what's happening here in the triumphal entry is Jesus is, is coming from his ministry in and around Jerusalem and he's coming into Jerusalem and he's coming as the king and he's coming for his people to behold him, to know him, to see him. Now, leading up until this point, uh, Jesus was performing many miracles. And on his way to Jerusalem, he had just healed three blind men at Jericho. One on the way in and two on the way out. That's amazing. Just a little while before this, Jesus has raised Lazarus up from the dead. That's pretty incredible. Nobody doing that today. That's awesome. Wow. Listen, at this point in Jesus's ministry, his popularity among the people is at an all-time high. Uh, People are following Jesus and they're asking this question, who is this? Is he the Messiah? Is he the king? Who else could do these things? And and there's people following him, following along. But listen, after the the raising of Lazarus, the uh, scribes and Pharisees, they're furious. They're furious. And, and they hatch up this plan to um, kill the guy that Jesus resurrected. Now, think about that one for a second. Probably not going to work out so well, right? Okay? Like, wouldn't he just raise him again? 
right? And it'd, and it'd be twice as powerful. And so, so they're hating Jesus, and Jesus is coming into his kingdom. He's coming to Jerusalem. Now, here's what we want to see this morning. The title of the message is Behold Your King. The goal of this message is really, really simple. The goal of this message is to get the eyes of our heart fully focused on Jesus Christ. The goal this morning is that we would see Jesus Christ through the eyes of faith in such a way that every area of our lives is then fully surrendered to him. Listen, if he's king, if he's Lord, then he's king and Lord over all of our lives. And so if we want that to be the reality in our lives this morning, then we need to ask the Lord this morning to show us his glory, to show us his goodness. The moment that we catch a glimpse of the glory, the kingly glory of Jesus Christ, uh, we are changed from the inside out. And so the minute that we see Jesus Christ, we begin to change. Our lives begin to change. The me that desires to have me and myself and all my stuff on the throne of my heart is pushed aside. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ can invade my life and he can take what is rightfully his, the temple of my heart. And that's what we're praying this morning. We're praying that as Jesus Christ opened blind eyes on the way in to Jericho and out of Jericho, that he would open blind eyes here this morning. And so maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're here and maybe your eyes of, of faith, the eyes of your heart have never been opened to the glory of Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're here and you've heard this message hundreds of times, thousands of times before. Would this morning be the morning when Jesus Christ opens the eyes of your heart and you behold your king through faith for the first time in your life is forever changed? Oh Lord, would that be the case here this morning? And maybe you have seen Jesus Christ through faith and maybe you delight in him and he is your joy and he is your life and he is your light. Oh Lord, this morning, would that be refreshed in you? Would you be delighted in Jesus Christ and leave here with freedom to walk with him and love him and worship him the way that he's called you to? Well, that's what we're hoping to see this morning as we look at the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. Just leading up to this, um, a, a great Bible teacher, Harry Ironside, said of this passage, he, he said this because what we see here in the triumphal entry is we see, we see triumph, but we also see tragedy, Okay. And Harry Ironside, he said this, as, as Jesus, has, as he entered Jerusalem, he knew it was not the kingdom, but the crucifixion that was going to be his portion in the immediate future. But nothing turned him aside from his path. This morning, we're going to gaze on the glory of Jesus Christ, not as he comes to take the throne in Jerusalem, but as he marches knowingly on the way to the cross where he'll bear our sins and become our king. That's what it means to see the Lord in his glory this morning. And so I pray that the Lord would do that in each of our hearts here this morning. And so before we jump into this passage, let me just give you a, a couple quick things just to, to help you know where we're at. Um, first of all, they have just left. Jesus has just left Jericho and the healing of the blind men there and the people following. And they're coming near to a place called Bethany, and then there's Bethpage. We'll see that in our text in just a moment. Uh, this is 
located on the eastern side of Jerusalem. It's just outside of the city, and it's really just outside of the city on the south slope of the Mount of Olivet. And from there, uh, one of our elders just told me in between the service that you could actually see from there right down off the mountain into the temple courtyard, and you could see everything that was happening. And so just to set the scene, this is where they are coming to. And so really this morning, when we, when we look at the glory of Jesus Christ, we're going to see three glimpses at his glory from this passage. Let's jump into it. Let's start by reading Matthew 21, verses 1 through 3. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go a couple verses at a time, take a minute, explain those, apply those to our lives, then read a few more verses. So let's start Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Listen, right here in these few verses, I believe we get three glimpses at the glory of Jesus Christ right here if if we're careful enough to observe them. Here they are right here. Three glimpses of the glory of Jesus Christ. Notice this, first of all. Jesus Christ knew exactly where the donkey would be tied. Think about that for a second, okay? He knew exactly where the donkey would be tied. He didn't just pass through this village. He was on his way to this village. Now, they didn't have um, Google Earth in those days that was like live and active and he could just see what was going on up there. They didn't have drone cameras, okay? So it's not like he just flew his drone up in the sky to take a look to see, oh, there's where the donkey is. He knows ahead of time, headed to this village, exactly where the donkey will be tied. That's awesome. That's prophetic. That's omniscience. That's Jesus Christ in his all-knowing nature. Now, here's the truth for us this morning. Jesus Christ knows everything there is to know about us. He knows every detail of our lives. He knows every circumstance of our lives. He knows every sin ever committed, every sin that will be committed. And yet, he loves us and comes to us in peace. That's a reason to give him glory this morning. But also notice this, not only did he know where the colt would be tied, he also, he also knew what the owner would say when he was asked. He knew what the owner would say, and he knew exactly what needed to be asked, and he knew exactly what the response was that needed to be given. Don't miss these words right here. When Jesus Christ sent his disciples to get this donkey and its colt, he said, listen, if the owner asks you, What's going on? You tell him this. Now, here it is right here. Here's what they tell him. The Lord needs them. Don't miss these words. Don't miss that one word. There's really four words here for us, but one word stands out over all. The Lord needs them. Now, that word Lord is a word that's used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament to refer to God. Jesus Christ, in making that statement, is making a clear reference to his deity. He is making a clear statement to say, I am the anointed one. I am the one that God has sent. You answer with this, and they will let them go. Now think about that for a second. If you had somebody come up to your door and knock on your door and say, hey, the Lord needs your house. Will you sign over the deed right away? Would you do it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I know who comes and knocks on my door and tries to talk to me about the Lord quite often. It's not the same Lord I'm talking about, okay? But here's the thing. You wouldn't do it. 
You wouldn't do it. But the answer that's given is the Lord needs them. The person surrenders these donkeys for the Lord's service. This is amazing. This is a picture of Jesus Christ, our King. Let's continue reading. Right down in uh, Matthew 21, verse 4. Let's read verses 4 through 7 now. Verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying... Say to the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. All right, now don't get confused right there at the end of that. He didn't sit on both the donkey and the colt, okay? It'd be pretty awkward to ride down a mountainside riding on two animals, okay? If you do a little bit of digging, you'll find out that in the original language, that refers to the last thing in the sentence, which is the coats. They put the coats on them. He sat on the coats. And so Jesus sat on the colt and began to ride into his kingdom. Now, I believe that there is an amazing picture being painted for us here, one that we could easily miss, but we don't want to miss it this morning. We want to see the Lord's glory. And so let's unpack this just a little bit right now. Here's the first thing that we need to see this morning. Write this down if you're taking notes. First of all, Jesus came in humility to offer me peace. Jesus came in humility to offer me peace. He came to offer you peace. Now, not just, um, World peace in that kind of peripheral sense of if everybody just laid down their arms, everything would be okay and we would have peace. Not like that, okay? Uh, Not peace in the sense of like, okay, a bunch of hippies sitting around a campfire holding hands singing kumbaya peace, okay? Not that kind of peace. We're talking about true peace right here. We're talking about a peace that endures. We're talking about a peace that is there, that is rock solid when things are difficult. That is the kind of peace That Jesus Christ comes to offer each one of us today. And and that can be ours. And that can be ours fully today by his grace. Now let's pick out three things that we see in the text. I want to ask the question, why? Why did Jesus ride on a donkey? Okay? We just said that he came to bring us peace. But why a donkey? That that doesn't really sound like something that a king would ride on. All right, three reasons. Uh, These aren't on the screen, but you could jot them down. The first reason is prophecy prophecy we're gonna i'm gonna give you these and then i'll unpack them a little bit first of all the the reason is prophecy second reason for jesus christ riding on a donkey is peace okay he came to bring peace and then third is purity his perfect purity so first of all jesus came riding on a donkey to fulfill prophecy and to publicly show that he was the messiah if you were to go back to John 10, 24, you don't need to turn there, but if you were to go there and you were to read there, people were observing the, the works and the miracles of Jesus. They were hearing his powerful teaching on the kingdom and they were asking, who is this? And they were coming to Jesus and they were saying, would you just tell us straight up who you are? If you're the Christ, just, just tell us. If you're the king that's coming, tell us. And so right here in this passage, Jesus is giving the clearest sign, the clearest public sign for everyone to see that he could possibly give from the Old Testament. Zechariah 9 verse 9 says this, and this is the verse that's quoted in our passage today. Zechariah 9 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. 
Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus publicly in this moment sends his disciples to get the donkey and its colt. They put their cloaks on the donkey and the colt. And he begins to descend the Mount of Olives and ride towards Jerusalem. Exactly as it was predicted in the Old Testament. There is no question left for the people that were there who this is anymore. They knew exactly who Jesus was professing to be. Here's the second reason why Jesus rode on a donkey. The second reason. He rode on a donkey to display his peaceful purpose. When we think about, you know, a king riding into his kingdom, we put your hand up if you think about a donkey, okay? <laughs> you don't, right? Okay. Um, donkeys aren't necessarily the nicest animal. They're, they're not necessarily the cleanest animal. Um, they're a little bit nasty in some ways. I remember I was down on a missions trip over in St. Kitts and Nevis, and there was donkeys everywhere, and those things were mean, okay? They were, they were nasty, but listen... In Old Testament times, they would have got this. If you were a king in Old Testament times, you didn't ride a horse when you came in peace. We think of a king coming. We think that a king would come on a horse, in a chariot, that sort of thing. That's not how it worked back then. A king, when he came in peace, would ride a donkey as a symbol of peace. And so if you saw the king and he was coming towards you on a horse, you better get your stuff and get gone, okay? Because he's coming for war. But if you saw the king riding on a donkey, he was coming to bring peace. He was coming to bring good tidings. And we even see King Solomon as he rides into his kingdom, being inaugurated into his kingdom in 1 Kings one thirty three, We read of King Solomon riding in on a donkey. Not because he couldn't afford anything better, but this was a symbol of peace. Let me tell you this. Jesus Christ comes to bring us peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can bring peace. He's the only one that can bring peace to the troubled areas of our hearts, to the troubled areas of our lives. And so we can look for peace in a lot of places. We can hope for peace in a lot of different people. And all of them will fail and fail miserably. But Jesus Christ brings true peace, lasting peace, peace that will not disappear. And then here's the third thing that we see. Jesus Christ rode on a colt, it says. That's a young donkey. And in Mark 11, verse 2, we read that this young donkey had never been ridden before. Nobody had ever ridden on it before. The reason that he did that was to symbolize his perfect purity and righteousness. Isn't that amazing? I want you to try and get this picture in your, in your mind for a second, okay? Imagine a hillside, a mountainside in Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ who had just finished healing the blind. He's walking along and they bring this colt to him. Now donkeys really aren't all that tall. Their backs are about that high. A colt would be much lower than that. They bring this colt to him. They put their cloaks on it and he sits on it and he begins to ride. Now just think about this. This is Jesus Christ we're talking about. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is the one who spoke and created all things by the word of his power. And he's there riding humbly on a donkey, gazing right into your eyes at your eye level, knowing, knowing that he was not riding to the throne, but to the cross. 
wow, that is a glimpse of glory. That is a glimpse of the greatness of our Savior who comes to us in humility, in lowliness, in gentleness to offer his enemies peace. That's amazing. That's worth thinking about. That's worth worshiping over. Listen, there's a few other little glimpses that we get here of Jesus's greatness. We see that Jesus here does not exalt himself. He does not make much of himself, but he humbles himself. Isn't that a picture of the whole life of Jesus Christ for us? That Jesus Christ, though he was Lord of glory, stepped down from his glory to humbly, to humbly come and serve us and give his life as a ransom for many. That is awesome. We behold our king as he rides peacefully into his kingdom. Now let's behold our king as he receives adoration from the people. Let's take a look at verses uh, 8 and 9 together. Verses 8 and 9. Verse 8. Most of the crowd, how did the people respond? Well, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Listen, what's going on right here? There's obviously a lot of things happening, but but what are the people really doing here in this passage? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. It's not just an uproar. They are actually worshiping. They are taking the coats off of their back. They are spreading them out on the road. They are saying, no, you are too great. You are too glorious to even walk on the dust and to even have the feet of the animal you're riding on touch the dust. Walk on our coats instead. They're cutting branches down from the tree, waving them. That was a symbol of victory. A palm branch symbolized victory. It symbolized peace, that the war was won, the war is over, and they're waving these, they're lining the streets with them, and they are shouting out in a loud voice. We're going to dig in in just a minute what they're shouting out. But listen, they are worshiping the Lord in this passage. They are celebrating him. They are adoring him. Listen, the second thing that we need to see this morning from this passage is this. Jesus is worthy of my worship. Jesus is worthy of my worship. Now, listen, that's pretty simple. Okay, we get that. Um, Jesus is worthy of our worship. Yeah, okay, we hear that all the time. But listen, I want to ask you to think a little bit more deeply about that this morning. Jesus is the only one that is worthy of your worship. Jesus is the only one that is worthy of any of your worship. Jesus is the only one that is worthy of being exalted. Jesus is the only one that is worthy of your adoration. Jesus is the only one that is worthy of your undivided, undistracted adoration. Now, moment of truth. How often do we give Jesus our undivided, undistracted adoration? How often do we give Jesus Christ all of our worship, all of our exaltation? Listen, we see Jesus being worshipped here in the passage. These people are basically rolling out the red carpet for Jesus Christ to come in. Do we do that? Are we like that? Are we that quick to worship Jesus with all of our hearts or are there still parts of our hearts that are off limits to the worship of Jesus Christ? I suspect that in most of us, there are areas 
of our, of our lives that, that we can't really say that we're worshiping Jesus Christ in fully right now. Maybe there are even some in the room um, who don't know Jesus and don't worship him right now. But for a moment, let me speak to those of you who do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to just take a minute to, to spell out and to, to look at this for a second. Jesus is worthy of all of your worship. That means all of your heart, all of your life, everything that you have, every single area of you. He's worthy of it. He deserves it. Only he deserves it. Now, why is this so important? Why are we spending so much time talking about this? Here's why. Because our core issue at the root of who we are is not that we just sometimes give in to bad things, that we sometimes mess up and and do things that we shouldn't or think things that we shouldn't. That's not our core issue. Our core issue is actually that we exalt the wrong things completely. Our core issue, our core problem is not just that we have some sin that shows up once, once in a while. Our core issue is that we have a worship disorder. We have elevated what is not worthy of being elevated. And we have pushed down the only things that are worthy of being elevated. And so here's what it looks like in my life. Often I will take good things. I will take really good things that the Lord has given me that are given for my delight and my enjoyment. And I will exalt them to number one in my life. Family. Hobbies. The things I like to do. My time myself. And I will take somebody when they give a compliment or anything. And, and I will sometimes even say, praise the Lord when really, I mean, praise me. Does that ring a bell to anyone this morning? We've taken good things and made them the best thing. And listen, here's what the Bible calls that idolatry. It's idolatry. Idolatry is a worship disorder. When the second best, third best, fourth best things become the best thing, that is idolatry. I love what Paul Tripp, a great um, author, preacher, and counselor says about this. He says this right here. He says, we worship our way into sin, and therefore we can't white knuckle our way out of it. We can only worship our way out of it. The only way out of the sin that still clings so close to our hearts is a greater adoration of Jesus Christ. And so what do we need more than anything else this morning? What do you need more than anything? What do I need more than anything? I need the eyes of my heart to be unveiled completely to see the glory of Jesus Christ, the Savior, like I've never seen it before. Because when I catch a glimpse of that glory, my heart then begins to change. I don't treasure the trivial things of this earth the way that I used to. I'm free to enjoy them. But I am free, free to exalt in Jesus Christ with everything that I have. And then I find joy. Then I find peace. Then I find fulfillment. Listen, if you're struggling right now, if you're wrestling right now to find joy and delight in Jesus Christ, the solution is not to try harder. The solution is to surrender. To to knock off the throne of your heart all of the idols that have piled up there, whatever they may be. And to say to Jesus Christ, My life, my heart, my everything is yours. Take it. Exalt yourself in me today. Listen, let me just try to illustrate this quickly for us before we move on. In a lot of ways, you know, I think I see this in myself. And so I'm not really so much preaching um, at you right now. I'm preaching at me right now. But I see this in myself so often. In a lot of ways, I'm just like a little child. 
okay? And if we had a little child in the room right now, we could call them up. The only problem is I don't have the two things that I'm going to illustrate it with. Um, so, so we'll just do it this way. And so I'm a lot like a little child, and my guess is that so are you. If a little child were here right now, let's say a four-year-old, okay? I have a four-year-old, and so I understand a little bit about how they think. Um, let's say we had a four-year-old here right now, and in one hand, I held out to that four-year-old, and I said, you can either have a chocolate bar or you can have a $20 bill. Which one would they choose? Chocolate bar, hands down, okay? For sure, guaranteed. They'd grab the chocolate bar. They'd take the chocolate bar. They'd be like, it'd be payday for them. That'd be like the best thing ever, all right? But here's the thing. Listen, 20 bucks, come on, okay? You can buy like what, like 15 chocolate bars with that? But if you go to the dollar store, you'd have like 35 or something, right? Like you'd be eating chocolate bars for the next week, okay? But we're like that, aren't we? We take the temporal thing that in the moment looks so good that may just last for a second, and we consume that, and we pass up the greater things that offer us more satisfaction. And I want to go even one step further. We pass up the eternal things of Jesus Christ that offer us joy and hope and peace in our lives. And we satisfy ourselves with the temporal, momentary chocolate bars of this world that can bring us no lasting pleasure whatsoever. Listen, the goal of this morning's message is to to help you grow in your worship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest struggle in this life is our worship disorder. And this morning, Jesus is saying this over you. I am worthy. I am worthy of all of your worship, of every area of your heart. Give it to me. Surrender it to me. Bring it to me. Listen, worship is not just Sunday mornings for an hour and a half. Worship according to Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 is every single moment, every single thing, all of your life on the table for Jesus Christ. That's true worship. That's what Jesus is calling us to today. I want more of that in my life. I hope you want more of that in your life too. More than anything, to get our priorities back in line, we need a fresh glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. And I hope from his word we can get that today. We beheld our king as he rides peacefully into Jerusalem. We beheld our king as he, as he brings us peace and as he shows us that he is worthy of our worship. Now let's behold our king as he reveals salvation to us. Let's take a look at verse 9. I know we read it just a moment ago, but I want to dig in for a second into verse 9 at a couple of the words here, what the crowds are shouting. So let's read it once more together. Verse 9. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here's the point that we've got to get. Third point in our message this morning. Jesus... Jesus came to bring me salvation. That's why he came. Jesus came to bring me salvation. That is the whole reason and purpose for Jesus Christ coming to earth. Listen, when Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem, he's not headed to the throne and he knows that. He told his disciples just a little while before that, while they were on the road, he told them, I'm going to Jerusalem to give my life. I will die. They didn't understand. I read it again this week. I'm like, Jesus, you couldn't have told them any plainer. You told them three times, you're going to die. And they're like, what does this mean? (laughs) Right? But we're like that sometimes. Here it is. This is why Jesus came. He came to bring salvation. He came to deliver his people. I love what they say right here. They say this word, Hosanna. The word Hosanna from the Old Testament. It means, oh Lord, save. 
Lord, save, or better yet, save now, right now, this minute, Lord, save, come and save right now. These people, they're calling out to Jesus. They're probably even speaking something that is more true than they ever imagined. They're calling Jesus Christ to save them in that moment. But listen, their, their need is far greater than what I think they realize. Uh, probably a lot of the people in this crowd at this time, no doubt genuine, but the type of salvation they were looking for was a salvation from their captors, the Romans. And so at this time in Bible history, the, the Romans are controlling the area of Palestine. Uh, they, the, the Jewish people are free in their land to a certain degree, but the Romans are exercising their authority over them. And the longing of the Jewish people at this time is that they would be set free, that salvation would come from their captors. Listen, this is key. Before Jesus could take the throne In Jerusalem, he had to take the throne of every single human heart. Think about it for a second. Jesus Christ on the throne in Jerusalem with hearts that are unsurrendered, unyielded to him. Would that ever work? Not at all. And so the question this morning for us, the application for us this morning is real simple. Is your heart, is the throne of your heart surrendered to Jesus Christ? Is it surrendered fully this morning? Jesus Christ came to bring salvation. He came to bring it to me. He came to bring it to you personally. He's the only one who can do it. There's a lot of good self-help things out there today that won't save you. And they really won't help you all that much. But Jesus Christ is the one who comes to bring salvation. Now listen, Jesus Christ isn't coming to bring salvation from our human captors in that sense. He is coming to bring salvation to our greatest captor, and that is ultimately sin, which is controlled by Satan. That controls the hearts of this world of unbelievers. That's why Jesus Christ came. We see this phrase over and over again in the New Testament. We're told again and again that Jesus Christ, the reason he came was because he came to save. We see it in Luke 19, verse 10. A few statements right here of why Jesus came. Luke 19, verse 10. I love this one because it's so clear. It's so precise. It's so accurate. Jesus says this, I came to seek and save the lost. My, my purpose in coming is to save those who don't know me, to save the lost. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 1 Timothy 1, 15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that an amazing verse? Why did he come? He came to save sinners. He came to bring freedom. He came to destroy the works of the devil, we read in 1 John. He came to free the captives. Now, the Jewish people are anticipating that he's going to do away with the Romans in that moment if they'll only make him king. But listen, that's not why Jesus came in that moment. Jesus came to bring salvation first. His kingdom must be first accomplished in our hearts. And so the ultimate question for each of us today is, is Jesus reigning in your heart? Is he on the throne in your life? Is there other things that have piled up in there that have squeezed Jesus off the throne? And if the answer to that is kind of, yeah, the call today 
is repentance. The call today is Jesus, have the throne. I surrender to you completely right now. Take it. It's yours. Listen, it's doubtless that there are many people who are following Jesus, that we're cheering, that we're singing Hosanna on this day, that only a week later we're singing a different song. That we're crying out much darker words. That we're there in the crowd on the day when he went before Pilate yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't that just a picture of how fickle our hearts are? I think it is. It's a picture of how fickle my heart is. How how one moment it can be fully surrendered, delighting and loving Jesus Christ with everything. And the next moment couldn't give two rips about him. I pray that's not us today. I pray that's not us. But if it is, listen, here is the amazing truth over us today. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he can bring that salvation to your life personally today. And if you're saved in Jesus Christ today and he's been pushed off the throne, you can give him control of your life fully today. And you can experience the delight of following him, trusting in him and walking with him today. Listen, ultimately, this, this whole message, this whole text really comes down to one verse and one question at the end of it. Verse 10. Verse 10. We've just beheld the king as he rides peacefully into his kingdom. We beheld the king as he receives worship and adoration. We beheld the king as he brings salvation. Now behold the king as he claims his rightful place. As Jesus entered the city, verse 10 We read this, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Listen, point number four, this is really a point to summarize the whole message for us. Point number four, Jesus came to take his rightful place in my heart. Jesus came to take his rightful place in my heart. He's come to take his rightful place in your heart. Think about this for a second. Jesus Christ is the one who's created all things. He created this world. He created everybody in it. He created all things in it. He created every individual in this room for his glory. That's why you're on this earth. It's for his purpose and his glory. And he wants the throne of your heart. There are distractions. There are many competing things that will seek to push Christ off every single moment. But listen, he's going after your heart today. He wants all of you today. Jesus Christ will not be satisfied with only a little bit of your life. Oh, listen, I think things are going pretty well. I, uh, I go to church once a week. I, you know, I squeeze in an hour and a half. I try to read a Bible verse on my phone app. I think Jesus is happy with that. I think that's enough. That's all that he wants for his kingdom. Nonsense. Nonsense. Jesus Christ created you for his glory. He created you for his purpose. He saved you for himself to be a beacon of light to this world. He wants all of you. He wants your full undivided adoration. He wants your worship, all of it, not just a song, but he wants the overflow of your heart. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. And here's the thing. If he is Lord, if he is Messiah, he is worth it. All of it. Everything. And there is nothing that is worth clinging to that is not worth pushing aside for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. But listen, Jesus Christ, today, he comes to speak peace to you. He comes 
to take his rightful place in your heart and in my heart today. And this whole passage comes down to this one question that we see right in this text. Who is this? Maybe you're here today and maybe this is your first time. You know, maybe at church or you haven't been to church in a while. And maybe you're wondering, who is this that this guy is talking about? Let me tell you, we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the righteous one, the holy one, the pure one who comes to you today in peace, offering you salvation, holding out his hand to you, saying, take it. Walk with me, love me, be forgiven of all of your sins and have the abundant life I am offering to you. Jesus Christ is speaking those words to us today. But there's one question, one question for each of us today. Who is this? That's the same question that Jesus asked to his disciples in Mark chapter 8 verse 29. Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say I am? And they responded with a couple different things. Oh, John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Uh, you're the prophet, Elijah. Uh, it's kind of fuzzy. We're not, they're not sure. And then Jesus says, better question, who do you say I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen, that is the ultimate question, not of this message, um, not of the Easter season, but that is the ultimate question of our lives. That is the question or something like it, that when we stand before the Lord and we will all stand before the Lord one day, there's nobody that gets a free pass on that one. We will all stand before him. That is the question that he will ask. Who do you say I am? How did you respond to me? That's the ultimate question. And here in this passage, we see Jesus coming in peace, coming humbly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, offering peace to everyone. And let me just say it again. He offers peace to you today. The peace of salvation. The peace that only God can give you. The peace that is talked about in Isaiah 26 verse 3. Where it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. He offers you that kind of peace today. But listen, that offer of peace won't be on the table forever. Because if you fast forward a few books to the end of the Bible, to the end of Revelation, and you go to chapter 19, you read that when Jesus returns, he's not riding on a donkey anymore. He's riding on a horse, a white horse that's ready for battle. And everyone who's opposed him will stand before him. So listen, I plead with you. I plead with you this morning. The decision, the choice is yours. No one can, no one can decide, decide to surrender to Jesus Christ for you. But the decision is yours. What is on the throne of your heart today? Because Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And when he comes, it won't be on the donkey. It will be in power. We will stand accountable before him. And so ask that question to yourself. It's a hard question, but ask it. What is on the throne? What is taken over my heart right now? And respond and respond in worship and adoration and say, Lord, I surrender. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. Change me, Lord, from the inside out right now. I need you. I accept your peace. I accept your salvation. And so if you're there this morning 
And if, if you're a follower of Christ and you love Jesus Christ this morning, but you feel like, hey, some stuff has started to pile up in your life on the throne, it's a great time right now just to confess that to the Lord in humility and just to say, Lord, I invite you. Fill my life. Fill my heart again. Take over everything again. I want you to be the center. But listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Jesus Christ is coming back and everyone will stand accountable. But today you can receive his peace. Today by simply confessing your sin, receiving his forgiveness, repenting of it and turning to him and saying, Lord, take your throne. Take it today in my heart. But listen, if you're here today and you're walking with the Lord, delighting in the Lord, be encouraged this morning. Let these glimpses of Christ's glory fuel you as you worship him and delight in him and exalt him this Easter season above everything else. Listen, there's three responses. Real simply, we've already said them once more. One, we can flat out reject Jesus. Just forget it. The leaders did that. The religious leaders, they witnessed the miracles. They saw prophecies being fulfilled. They heard the testimonies. And they said, forget it. We reject you as king. And walked away. Or we can flip-flop back and forth. Who is he? I wish you would have given more information. I wish you would have shown me a little bit more clearly that you are really the king, Jesus. Listen, he has shown us clearly in his word, perfectly clearly. There's more than enough information in his word. And if you doubt that, ask around this room. You can find countless people in this room with the testimony of Jesus Christ written all over their lives who have been radically changed by the gospel. There's enough information today. And don't flip-flop back and forth. But I encourage you this morning, fully embrace Jesus Christ as Lord over every area of your life. And if there is one area of your life right now that is not yielded to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says to you this morning, that, that one area, specifically that right now, get it under my blood and walk with me and experience my peace. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we humbly come before you right now so thankful that you came as the humble king. That you came not to exalt yourself, but to sacrifice yourself so that we could have life, so that we could have redemption, so that we could have peace. Oh Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy that you have poured out for us, Lord. That you poured out for us on the cross where you bore our sin and you became sin for us and you died the death that we deserve so that we could live the life that we've never deserved, that only you deserved. And Lord, I just pray, I pray right now over any who may have come in here this morning who have rejected you up until this point. Sure, they've come to church, but they've rejected you over and over again. They've flip-flopped back and forth. Oh Lord, today, would you turn their heart to you to see your glory? Would you open their eyes, Lord? And would they see you in all of your goodness, in all of your peace and receive your salvation today? And Lord, I pray, I pray over the believer that's here this morning, Lord, that is discouraged, it's distracted, 
that's bogged down, oh Lord, I pray that you would bring peace, that you would bring comfort as they surrender fully to you, Lord. Lord, I pray, I pray for those who love you with all of their heart. I pray right now that their worship for you this Easter season would be fueled with the gospel and Jesus Christ alone as they gaze on their king of glory. Oh Lord, come and do that in our hearts right now, we pray. Amen.